0: We are talking about my perfect life, and we just admitted last week, "Hey, there is no such thing as the perfect life—not for me, probably not for you." And it's—it's at an early age that we realize that life isn't perfect. And what we said last week is that God has made us with really one big main idea um, in mind, and that is that we would seek Him and find Him because our truest version of ourselves is found. When we embrace Him and His purposes and His meaning and what He wants us to experience in this life. And so this morning I want to operate on an assumption. That assumption is that the majority of us in this room want God in our lives. So that's the, the assumption that I'm operating on. Now here's the deal. We all know how desire works. Desire works in this way, right? We want something, then we find out how to get it, and then we get it if we can Right? It's not, it's not a very uh, complex system. So, and, and we've done this since we were children. So when we were kids, we walked into a room where another child was, and there are hundreds of toys in the room, but you want the toy that the other child is playing with, right? There are hundred great toys in the room, so you've got to figure out, I want that, how am I going to get it? And as a child with a toy in the room, you've got a few options, right? Your first try is going to be to introduce that child to a second cooler toy. True? and try to get them distracted, or you're gonna go tell their parents that they really um, have to go to the restroom, you've been over close to them, and you know that's true, and then you're gonna take it from them, or you just decide to beat the child up, right? I mean, you figure out what you want, and then you figure out what you have to do to get what you want, and then you go for it. Or we begin to get into elementary school and realize that, man, I, I need to do well in my classes, my parents have made me promises, or one day I want to get into a certain college. and So really from grade school all the way through even grad school, we realize, hey, my desire is for great grades, now I've got to figure out how to get it, right? So we begin to look, well, I can study really hard, or I can sit beside someone who studied really hard, right? Or you begin to learn to take the easy teacher or the real easy professors, right? So you've got to figure out some way to get what you want, and then you get into your job, and. In the job field, it really works the same way. You realize that it's not so fun being the intern, right? It's not so fun being the person lowest on the totem pole, so you figure out what do I have to do to get a promotion? Well, there are these kind of benchmark goals, and so I need to meet these goals, I need to get noticed by one of my superiors, or I need to bribe my boss, which wouldn't recommend that. But we figure out what we have to do, right? Or you meet that special guy or girl you want to be more a part of their life. They don't know you exist, but you want to be more a part of their life, and so you figure out what do they enjoy, and then you try to become that. Right? So, so guy knows that this girl will only date a physically fit man. And so the guy begins to Google, how do I lose 20 pounds of fat and gain 10 pounds of muscle in the next three days? Right? How do I do this? Or girls go, well, he'll only date a blind. Well, I enjoy being a brunette, but I'm going down to to the salon because I need my hair. I want to get in on what I want. And this is how we live all of our lives. Desire kind of rears itself within us. We find something we want. We find out what we have to do to get what we want. And then we do what we have to do, if we can, to get what we want. And so I'm basing what I'm going to say the rest of this morning on this fact that I believe about you this morning and about myself. Most of us in this room would say, I want the life that God has for me. I want life with God. So the question is, how do we get it? We believe that God has revealed himself through the pages of the Bible, the scriptures, the sacred texts, of the Holy Bible that, that we have here, and we want to, um, and it's not like we have one and it's different, okay, just so you understand, like that epic version is really crazy, no, it's just it's just kind of the one that's been used for centuries now, what we want to do, if you don't own a Bible, we want to at this time, just in a small way, give you a gift of, of a new Bible, so would you just raise your hand, this is just our gift to you, or if you left one at home and just want to borrow one for this morning, just raise your hand, we'd love just to pass these out. This is a gift we just want you to be able to understand as we walk along this morning. And, and, and we believe, we believe that God has through the pages of authors and through the stories of men, women, and children in the Bible, God has revealed who he is and has revealed his intention for our life. And has showed us what life looks best and what manner life looks best, the way he designed it to be lived. If you receive one of those Bibles, you're going to be on page 806. We're going to be in Romans chapter 3. It's the sixth book in the New Testament. Never be afraid to go table of contents in here. Uh, you are among friends. There's no speed rush to see who can find it first. Page 806, if you got one of the Bibles we handed out. And if not, we're going to be in Romans chapter 3 for those of us that have to find our page numbers ourselves. Romans chapter 3, we'll start in verse 20. And the guy that wrote the letter to the Romans that we're going to be reading. <coughs> Same guy we, we t- found our story uh, to be about last week, really where Paul was in Acts 17, if you uh, remember this. And if you weren't here last week, and obviously there are going to be Sundays where none of us are going to always be here, including myself. And so just know that we have all the videos of our messages online at epicsf.com. And if you subscribe to the iTunes podcast, it's just Epic Church San Francisco, all of those will immediately be downloaded to you, to you usually by Tuesday of the, of the week after the message. And so that'll be really important moving forward, uh, because when we get into our Epic Root system that you'll hear more about next week, there's going to be sermon-based Bible studies throughout the week. And so when you miss on a Sunday or you want to, your friend to be able to check out the church before they check out the church, you know what I'm saying? Take them to that website or get them on the podcast, both of those are free. So Romans chapter three, I'm gonna start in verse twenty. So okay, how do we get what we want when it comes to life with God? Verse 20 of Romans chapter 3, and it'll be on the screen also, Paul writes these words for by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So here's the deal we want life with God. I'm living on that assumption this morning. We want life with God. Well, here's a big problem that's just been laid out to us. Let's read it together. How many human beings are going to be justified in a sight? No. None of us. That's, that's a problem, right? We want something. We're willing to do what it takes to get it. And you see this and you're like, sounds impossible. Sounds impossible. No human being, For by works of law, meaning that those people who do good, those people who try to follow what God has laid out really in what we know as our Old Testament, the law, right, all the commands... No one is going to do good enough or be good enough to be justified in God's sight. That's a big deal. That's a big problem for us. If you're a person who circles or takes notes, just circle that phrase. Even if you just got a new Bible from us, you're going to keep it, so that's great. Circle that phrase, no human being. Because some of you are already, you're a lot of overachievers in here. Don't raise your hand because that would be arrogant. But a lot of overachievers in here, right? shake your head yes, alright, I, I no one else will see it. I'll know you're arrogant, they will know. <laughs> a lot of overachievers in here, so when you see no human being, you're going, nah, man, I'm, I think I can handle that. You're the same person that goes to the amusement park, you watch kids and their dads and moms throw in tons of money, and they're trying to get a ball to fit into the bottle, you ever played this game, that affair or amusement park? And no one else is getting it, but you still have confidence that you're going to be different.
1: Right? You're like,
0: no one else can do that, but I'm going, I'm going to win. I'm taking home that teddy bear. Right? And $35,000 later, you got the teddy bear. Could have a Alexis, but you got a teddy bear. And, uh, and, and there you have it. Or you're the person, you know, you read and you believe for everyone else that there's a greater chance of them being struck by lightning and you being struck by lightning than there is to winning the lottery. But you're going to be different. Your numbers are better, right? And some of you will actually win. But when it comes to no human being, it means there's no chance for me, there's no chance for any of you to be justified in God's side because you've done good things. That's a problem. Well, when you find a problem in life, obviously it, it's time to find a solution, true? So lots of problem solvers among us. Some of you problem solve every day in the field of business, and in, in regards to our economy, in regards to the environment, in regards to real estate issues in the city, in regards to technology. I mean, so many different disciplines are represented in this room. It's pretty cool just to be able to hear stories from your lives throughout the week. So there's a person that's in this room right now. He's, he's working on research for HIV, Try to, how are we gonna figure out what drugs are gonna be combined to give the best effect. And I've, I've met people that are always troubleshooting in regards to major businesses in this room, merging other businesses together. So I believe that in this room, lots of problem solvers okay and you know what happens in regards to the steps of problem solving right you need to know there's a problem you need to know what the problem is you need to know what the solution is and then you need to implement the solution don't leave anything out it's pretty simple right i mean the problem may be difficult but the steps are pretty simple you need to know there's a problem you need to know what the problem is you need to know what the solution is and then you need to take action steps and implement the solution so let's Figure out what our solution is this morning We're going to stay on Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 26 Still on page 806 if you got handed one of those Bibles Let's read 21 through 26 together And let's see, throughout this text Here's the lens I want you to view things through this morning (coughs) Let's view it through the lens of problem and solution Okay. So I want you to look for problems in the text That arise for us And then solutions in the text And then we'll walk back through it together This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Verse 26. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So again, I want you to see the problems in this text. Verse 23 shows a huge problem, right? In verse 20, we just said that no human being will be justified in God's sight by works of the law. The reason is because all human beings, like verse 23, because all human beings have sinned and all human beings have fallen short of the glory of God. Are you with me? The reason why we can't be justified in God's sight is because every single one of us and all of your friends, even the ones that are really morally good and and they do everything well and they're making a difference in the world in a very big, large scale kind of way... The reason why none of us can be justified in God's sight is because every one of us have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now here's what I know to be true. However many people are in this room, there are that many different stories in this room. Do you guys agree? But there is a common characteristic that every one of us possesses in this room. is that every one of us has sinned and every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. Meaning, every one of us has sinned, every one of us has missed God's mark, His intent, His intention for our lives, and every one of us has fallen short of the glory that's due Him. He's a holy God, and we're unholy, right? He's a perfect God, and we're, we're not, right? I mean, anybody? Uh, uh, he is a pure God, and that isn't always true for us, right? We're kind of like murky water a lot of the time. And so we've fallen short of God's glory. So we all have different stories in this room, but one common characteristic that every one of us possess is that we have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, which, which does a few things for us. A, it removes comparison from us, right? So right now, we when, when we're tempted to in life do this, we're tempted to go, you know what? I don't have a huge issue with this or that like so-and-so does. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good, right? I don't do things the way she does it at work. I'm a little bit better. And so we begin to compare ourselves to other people, but when you read this, comparison goes out the door, right? Because We've all said, we're all placed in the same boat here, aren't we? We're all placed in the same boat. So whether you've sort of, kind of, blown it in your life, or whether you've really blown it in your life, we're all in the same boat. Every single one of us have the exact same problem, even though we have a very different story. Your addiction is different than my addiction. The things that I'm tempted by are different, perhaps, than the things that you're tempted by. But every single one of us, regardless of our story, we have this in common, that we've all, in some way we miss God's best, we miss God's intention for our life. So that is a problem. Now, what's great is that he begins to give us some solution things here in verse 22. He says there's now a new righteousness, so you can't get it by doing the law, by doing good, being good, but the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ is for who? For all who believe. So it doesn't put us automatically in the same boat in a good way though. But it gives us the opportunity to be put in the same boat for, if we possess this common trait as well, everyone who believes that God's righteousness has come to us in Jesus. Well, the reason he can do this, look at verse 24. We're just kind of going back and forth because I want to pair some things together for us. We are justified by his grace as a gift. Okay, God's grace literally means that he has poured blessing and favor out on our lives that's unmerited. Meaning you haven't earned God's grace because then it wouldn't be grace. You haven't worked hard enough to get God's grace because it wouldn't be grace. It is simply a gift, right? We don't get gifts in life because we earn them. We get gifts because the giver is a very gracious and benevolent person, hopefully, in our lives, unless it's a bad gift. Right? We've all had those. Okay, so he says that you're justified. Now, I want to stop for a moment and just say, what's the big deal behind justification? This is a word, and I'll tell you why we need to know it. This is a word that appears over 200 times in just the New Testament portion of the Bible. So what is it? What happens in justification? I want to show you guys this. Here's what happens in justification. Even though we're not righteous, we can be declared righteous before God by grace alone that we just mentioned, through faith alone that just says. it. Remember, all who believe, all who trust in Jesus, because of the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. This is really, really good news, and I want to continue to capitalize on this thought as we, as we go throughout throughout our time this morning over the next several minutes. We can be declared righteous before God by grace alone, through faith alone, because of the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. Now, we're going to give propositional truths this morning, but what I want you to see is it wrapped inside the story of your life and inside the story of God, okay? So I'm going to give you some truths. We're going to lay out some definitions, but I want you to do it, not see it as just like this. Here's point one, point two, and point three. I want you to see it wrapped tightly into your story. So it means regardless of where you've really blown it or sort of blown it, you and I can be declared righteous before God by His gift, by His grace, through our faith, trusting in Him that what He's done for us is enough because of the person and the work of Jesus. Now another word that shows up in 24 that I want to hammer out for a minute is the word redemption. You guys see that? are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let's talk about the components of redemption. And this is not just you and I and God. I just want to say, here's what redemption is all about, and then here's how this terminology uh, represents our story and God's story in life. So in redemption, you have really four components, right? Someone is in bondage. There needs to be a Redeemer. The Redeemer pays a ransom, and then the one who was in bondage is liberated and experiences freedom. Does that make sense? So persons in bondage, they're they're kidnapped, they're they're bound, or they're just being held hostage. A redeemer, which is another way to say purchaser or a buyer, comes onto the scene, pays a ransom, like whatever the monetary value is that the one who's holding them in bondage demands, and then freedom occurs, or the person in bondage gets returned to their intended, or they're restored to their normal place of uh, of identity and and living in those kind of things. So here's how our story plays out. We've already read that every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of God's glory, right? So, to begin with, we're all in bondage. Every single one of us. We're enslaved to our own addictions, we're enslaved to ourselves, and we're enslaved to our passions. Whatever it might be, right? We're enslaved to sin, so we're in bondage. Jesus, this is huge, he doesn't become our redeemer because he has to. He becomes our redeemer because he wants to. Desire and need are two very different things, aren't they? Now, we have a necessity. We need a redeemer, But Jesus doesn't do it simply because we need it. He does it. Yes, we need it. But he desires to redeem us. The currency that he pays the ransom with, however, isn't monetary. The currency with which he pays is with his very life, right? The reason that you'll hear so much about the cross and the music we sing here, so much about the cross and the stories we tell from this stage, so much about the cross, because without the cross, you and I have no one paying a ransom that will give us our freedom. That makes sense? Heavy stuff. Some of you heard this for the first time, but I just want to lay out here: there is a problem, but there are some solutions too. Jesus has willingly become our redeemer. He's willingly paid the ransom so that those of us who all have been in bondage may now experience the freedom that He brings to our lives. Okay, what I want you to do now is think through this whole problem-solution thing. This is where, whether you hearing this for the first time or you've been in a Christian church all of your life. I want to just remind you or introduce you to the idea of why Christianity is so astonishing. Okay? There are four options by which to see the whole problem-solution theme. Okay? Here's the first one. There is no problem. Right? And so, just put in parentheses there, just kind of how I would sum up people who live like that. So, there is no problem. These are people who believe this mean that they don't believe that, first of all, that that God is, is necessary because there's no problem. They don't believe that there's a problem with them. They live life how they want to, or we live life how we want to. There, there just is no problem, so we don't need a solution if there's no problem, right? Those are people that really have put themselves on the throne, meaning they've uh, really adopted the role of God, and they to determine what's right, what's true, and for them, then it's like, you know what, I'm doing my thing, there is no problem. A second way to see it is this. There is a problem, but I'm the solution, right? I'm kind of God's gift to the problem so there is a problem but I'm the solution meaning what we just read in verse 20 where we just said no human being will be justified by what they do or how good they become there is a problem but I'm the solution meaning I can improve I can get better I can get past it I can put a lot of positive thinking I can become an optimist instead of a pessimist and there's the solution right there I am the solution the third way or lens to see this issue through is this there is a problem, but there's no solution. Meaning, you recognize there's a problem. You don't feel like you can handle the problem. And you don't feel like there's a solution, which leaves us hopelessness, right? It, it leaves us hopeless when you understand there's a problem in our world. And there's not just a problem in, in our world, there's a problem in me. Does that make sense? But some of you in this room, this is the lens that you've been living life through and even looking at your God through. You know what? There is a problem, but I'm hopeless there's no solution. But what I want to invite every one of us, including myself, reminding you maybe, or just telling you for the first time, there's a fourth lens, which I want you to see this morning, and here it is. There is a problem, and there is a solution. I want to introduce you just to this word, gospel. Now, some of you think it's a style of music, and it is. Some of you think those are the crazy churches, the full gospel ones. Some of them are you're only laughing if you've ever been to yeah. one. I mean, everybody, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing going on there. Um, a lot more active than we're being this morning. Nobody's jumping over chairs and whatnot. There is a problem and, there's a, and there is a solution. Gospel. Here's what Tim Keller, one of my favorite authors, if you want to read something great and go, hey, what shapes some of my own thinking, what I'm trying to learn... Tim Keller is a pastor at Redeemer Church in New York City, and he's written lots of good books. Um, he's got one coming out this uh, this Tuesday, actually, called uh, The King's Cross. But anyway, in his book, The Reason for God, he gives us really, he breaks down the, the problem-solution piece, why I get the word gospel. He says, the Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me. Problem, right? Or flaw. Yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. Do you see problem and solution? If you aren't willing to embrace, and I can tell, some of you are just interested watching your facial expressions this morning. Don't change them yet. Some of you are going, is there really a problem? Hey, this is a safe place for you to ask those questions. And some of you are going, I know there's a problem, but is there really a solution? Again, a safe place for you to explore things of faith. And is Jesus, we see the real deal. Does, does he matter? Is, is he just a good teacher? Was he a prophet? Did he even exist? the christian gospel is that i'm so flawed that jesus had to die for me and yet i'm so loved and valued that jesus was glad to die for me here's the cool thing about god the god who our sin is a problem for has become the god who's provided the solution let me just hear that again this is this is backward to how the world works the god who our sin is a problem for the god who our brokenness is an issue for the god who our rebellion is, is is really a problem for He's become the God who's provided the solution to our problem. Look at verse 26. One phrase I want you to see in verse 26. Do you see this phrase, he's become the just and the justifier? You guys see that? So he, he, so that he might be just and the justifier. Here, here's what that means. So God is just, meaning as he's holy, he can't, he, he has to deal with, he has to punish, he has to, uh, there has to be a price paid for sin. Does that make sense? Right? If he's a holy God, then he can't be in the presence of what's not holy. And and if we're not holy, then we can't be in the presence of that which is holy. So he's just, but how cool is this? Not only is he just, he's also the one who's become the justifier. Piece those things together. There's a problem, but the God who our sin is a problem for has become the God who's provided the solution to our problem. We're all in the same boat. He's become the God who's provided the solution to our problem. Most of the times what happens in life is that if you cause the problem, who has to make it right? (laughs) I don't know if I want to be in friendship with most of you. Hey, if you cause a problem in our friendship, I want you to correct it, right? If you cause a problem at work, your boss is going to want you to correct it. Mm -hmm. We've caused a problem with our sin against God, and yet He's the one who comes in, stands in the gap for us, and makes it right. That's this just where gospel means good news. It's hard to get better than that, news wise See, Jesus fully entered into our story so that we might fully enter into his story. Which means this. There are going to be people who are very good people who are going to miss out on God in this life and the life to come, though they were good. By the same token, they're going to be very evil people who are going to, at some point, come to their wit's end, going to embrace Jesus as their only hope, and get in on his life in this life and in the life to come. Now, some of you may think that's really bad news, unless you realize we're all in the boat together. (laughs) The God who our sin is a problem for has sent Jesus to rescue us and pay the redemption price so that we might be brought back into relationship with him. This is the story of God. So we said at the beginning, I hope that you want the life that God wants to give you, right? I hope that you want that. Well, here's what's beautiful is that we can be restored to God's intent for our life. And and the problem is this. So many of us, we want to know what do we do to make this happen? Lots of you are great problem solvers. Lots of you are overachievers. Lots of you are the, are the top 5% of people in your company, maybe even in your industry. And so you're used to doing this. And first I want to say, God's given you that gift. Keep using it. There's nothing wrong with being driven. I, I hope not anyway. But this is one of those where we'll constantly ask in our church moving forward, what's God's part in this and what's our part? So let's make it clear this morning. God's part... Jesus did the dying. God does the justifying because of Jesus. We stand in God's righteousness because of Jesus. That's not our part, right? What is our part? Let's look back at the text and then we'll finish this up. Verse 22 lets us know what our part is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believed. For all who believe. For all who believe. Now, I'm not going to act like this is easy. But I think it's a really clear step what your part is. Whether you've been a Christian a long time or where you're wondering if it's even real, it's to embrace Jesus as our only hope. I hope that you realize that there is a problem for every one of us this morning. It's a problem we cannot solve ourselves. The beautiful news though, we don't have to solve it ourselves. Jesus stepped in and done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He's paid for our sin, and not only has he paid for our sin and removed punishment from us and, and allowed us to come into God's presence, by placing our faith in him alone, guess what happens? Guess what happens? We get to get into God's presence as though we are righteous. Just so you know, with the, the, the things that are being assumed by each individual and each group in the story... In the story, here's what's happening. Jesus is assuming our sin and the punishment for it. And we get to assume his righteousness. So that God looks at us, those of us who embrace this, God looks at us as though we haven't sinned. You all know where you've been, right? What if this morning we were to roll like the worst 30 minutes of your life on the big screens this morning? (laughs) Bring in the popcorn trucks. (laughs) Not our story, just yours. (laughs) Well, none of us would want to watch that. Here's the beautiful thing. Jesus has seen not just the worst 30 minutes. He's seen it all. He's still went to the cross for you. And regardless if you've sort of blown it or really blown it, what he wants to do is reconnect you to God through his own righteousness because of the life and because of the death they offered us. And what you've got to determine is this. Am I willing just to surrender to it? For the first time, or maybe just to be reminded, some of you began to trust God with your life a long time ago, but since then you've begun doing it on your own. You thought you could make a better story, if he wasn't doing things fast enough for you, You thought you'd take things into your own hands. And for you, the story's still the same. Surrender to it. Embrace it. And if you've never done that, I'm not even demanding, so I can never do this anyway, that you do it this morning. But would you at least consider consider this opportunity? Or just consider that as we move forward together. And one of the things we're going to talk about next week, don't miss next week, or if you do, get the podcast. Next week, we're going to introduce one of our new initiatives as the church, which is just called Epic Groups. Basically what it would be are groups of, say, 12 to 15 people that sit in homes, uh, other people's apartments. It doesn't have to be yours, don't worry. We're not asking for you to offer it to us. But it can be. Um, We sit in apartments and literally just uh, get the Bible out together, study that together, uh, enjoy desserts or meals if you get a really good leader. (laughs) Serve in some capacity in our city together. Great way to build relationships for people that have been Christians a long time, those that aren't, and then everyone in between. So we're going to introduce that next week so that we can walk through these kinds of things together rather than just saying, hey, here it is, you know, just feeling like uh, Ben's just dumping on us again. No, I want you guys to be able to, to sit around circles together in homes that are comfortable and, uh, and be able just to lay out, hey, what does this really look like? And if we, if, if, could, could this God really exist? And if so, what kind of life has he intended for me? And I just hope that you guys walk away this morning going, hey, you know what? The, the truth of Jesus couldn't be good news unless we first recognize the bad news. And if you believe that you're the solution, or you believe that there is no solution, or you believe there is no problem, then of course, you're not going to have space in your life for God anyway, because he's, He's unnecessary. But if you would just dive into the reality that God has provided a way for you to be restored to Him, and embrace Him, and follow Him, and trust Him, even when it may not make sense, there's no telling what's awaiting for us you guys pray with me this morning, and then we'll just spend a time or two in a song? The communication card that you did get when you came in, thats it's a great tool. It lets us know who you are, but also it lets you let us know what's going on in your life. And so there are things on there that you can write in. Hey, I would love just to talk about things from this morning with one of the staff members. I would love to become a follower of Jesus, believing that He is the hope. He has paid a way for me to, to know God and be righteous before Him. So you can let us know those things, and then in a minute when we um, receive our offering, you can just put your communication card in that bucket. God, would you um, make things clear to us that are unclear? God, realize that, that that's an ongoing process. It is for my life. It will be for everyone in this room. God, we're in the same boat. We aren't just needy people. We're people that have missed the mark, and, and uh, you have brought Jesus in to pave pay a way for us. Really, he has come to um, redeem us from our bondage. He's paid a great ransom with his life. And because of that ransom, we can receive the freedom from our sin and freedom to live the life that you intended us to live. God, I thank you for the story you're piecing together here with Epic. I thank you for those that are way down the road in their faith and for those that are just stepping onto the road. God, I pray that you would bring all of us together and really make this kind of beautiful uh, masterpiece, not because we're great, but because you're uh, presence uh, makes a difference in our lives. The truth of you makes a difference. So, God, as we move forward, would you bring us together in community, and would you uh, would you collectively use us to make an impact in our city, and our world? I ask this in Jesus' name.